Welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talk's podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How is it going for you? It's going good, how's it going for you? Alright, not bad, not bad, had a decent day. Um, it's been just over a week since we did a podcast because we accommodated for the uh, PlayStation event. Uh, but what have you been playing in that time period? Uh, well, the big Hearth and Home update came out for Valheim, so I checked a little bit into that. I didn't get too much into it because um, there was it wasn't a content update in terms of like new monsters to, like that. It was more of uh, adding food, adding crafting, adding things like that. So there wasn't a ton, ton to dip into, but it's one of those things that there was stuff to do. So I checked that out a bit. Um, been bouncing around a couple of games that I've been, uh, you know, kind of fiddling with. Nothing really to seriously talk home about, so. Okay, okay. Uh, so I moved away from my PS3 playing time because I was... Jumping around a bunch of different Tomb Raider games, I watched most of uh, Steve of War's uh, Tomb Raider videos. Um, I'll probably jump back into Tomb Raider 2 at some point. I just kind of wanted to move on, honestly, and just jump into something else because I was just, uh, I don't know, kind of scattered with uh, with all of that. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some strange things with that with with those games. They're they're brilliant, but I I think to be honest, they could use a remake. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, other than that, I tried out two games that I dropped this week, uh, because I went back onto my Boomerang subscription thing. Uh, I tried out Hades, and I tried out Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, now, Hades, I recognize as a good game. I don't think that it wasn't a problem that, like, it wasn't a thing where I, like, had a problem with the game. It's just I know that that game's not for me, and I know that I'm not going to finish it per se um the basic gist of what i got of the game after playing it for about an hour is that uh you run through this area pretty much uh characters give you things to help you out along your uh the different runs that you do and then you go on those and then you go through as many areas as you can i don't know what the how many areas you have to get through but it's quite a few and it seems like the, the idea of the game is you keep going and you keep trying different runs over and over and you keep dying over and over again. But then as you die and restart, you get given different things, you can upgrade, etc, etc. So the idea is that basically you keep going through the game over and over again, get a little bit further each time, but then you get given upgrades on your next run, basically. Uh, and I thought the idea was pretty good, there wasn't too much wrong with the gameplay. Um, story and the characters were, were fine, pretty good. Um, overall just didn't really have a problem with it, I just knew that, like, okay, that was the idea of the game, because I'd heard lots of good praise about Hades, and it got nominated, I think, for Game of the Year last year. Obviously, uh, Last of Us 2 won that, because uh, you had, like, Ghost of Tsushima and some other games that were nominated last year, so I knew the game was going to be good, it's just not a game that's for me, and that's perfectly fine, there's nothing wrong with that. I tried it out, I gave it a shot. But I sort of thought, okay, before I go on and try any more of this game, I know that it's not going to be for me. So I just kind of just gently put it down, you know, not like got angry or whatever. Uh, There's nothing wrong with it. I just uh, I knew it wasn't really a game that's my kind of thing. A little bit like a kind of Dead Cells 
in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Like Dead Dead Cells, great game. I've I've played a good chunk of it, but it's just not really those games. Just aren't really kind of for me. So, uh, have you tried any Hades out? Have you played any of it at all? I have not. I have played a few roguelikes. I have played uh, uh, Dead Cells. I played quite a bit of it actually. Um, yeah, those games. There's always gonna be a weird thing with me on those because you can only get so good to a point then it's either going to be you're going to be great at it or you're just going to suck at it Mm. um and unfortunately those you know level caps in terms of your ability to play the game are always just kind of a pain so Mm. yeah and early on it was kind of interesting because when your character gets injured in the first room i think the very first room he's like oh can't heal you know must move on and i was like oh okay so it's like i've got that one life bar and that's it i can't heal or anything and there's no hints as to like being able to upgrade that or anything maybe you can get like a bigger health bar or something i i, I would guess um or like take less damage in some sort some sort of way but that was something that put me off a little bit um so, because I've played things like, um, I think it was called Enter the, Gun- Enter the Gungeon. That was a pretty good game, actually. Mm-hmm. And I actually really, I, I think out of, those, out of those three, out of Dead Cells, Hades, Enter the Gungeon, I think Enter the Gungeon is probably the best one. Just purely in terms of, like, gameplay and stuff, I, I quite enjoyed them. Um, but again, I put that down after a certain amount of time. So, another uh, game, Life is Strange, True Colors. Um, I know you don't watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, but uh, for those of you that do, because uh, I'm assuming some of our audience does at least, if you take that show, right, this is what Life is Strange True Colors basically is. If you take Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, take all the musical performances out, which is a huge part of the show, obviously turn it into a game, um, and you change the writing quality by about half. So you chop the qual. Let's say Zoe's writing quality is a ten or something. Just for example, this is a five in terms of writing quality. Um, the basic gist of the game is you go through the. You return home. I think it is after a certain amount of time. You play as Alex. You meet up with your brother and you kind of start walking around the town and meeting other people and that sort of thing. And right at the very start of the game. Alex, I think, is, like, finishing school or something. I, I think that was what was going on. And the interviewer was saying to her, like, what do you want to do? What can you do? And she's like, oh, I'm going to pick up a few shifts with my brother at the bar. I was like, okay, all right. So she's very much at that sort of stage in her life where, like, school's ending. What is she going to do next? And that part of life can be, you know, quite tough because you don't exactly know what you want to do. Do you want to do university, college, job, something else? Um... And then her her choice is like, okay, I'm going to, yeah, move back to the town where my brother is or something and, like, work with him or something, which nothing wrong with that. Um, and then you meet up with your brother on this bridge and if you hold, like, I think it's LT or L2, whatever, and you can kind of, like, highlight the other characters and you press, I think it's X, and they have this, like, line around them. Uh, to do with their emotion because the whole the whole the power this time because all, all life is strange games have got different power in in the first game you could rewind time to like a certain extent um you could in the second game you could use telekinesis <clears throat> and in the third game it's sort of like reading minds kind of but more sort of emotion focused 
Um, and you do it to a couple of characters, and the game sort of treats it as a tutorial a little bit. And I just didn't feel like the writing was anywhere near as good as the first or the second game. Um, I didn't really find Alex that interesting as a character. Maybe I didn't sort of play it long enough, I don't know. Uh, and then it just kept like... The story didn't feel like it had a drive. It had a sort of reason for being there, which was Alex can read emotions... But even in the, the at the admittedly small part of the game that I played, it it wasn't being used that well, and there was no sort of I don't know. Like I look back at the story for the first and the second game, and there was a purpose and a drive to the story. Uh, Life is Strange two story starts very quickly actually, and it's it's uh, it's it's a lot better. I would say that Life is Strange 1 is still maybe the best one. Life is Strange 2 is really good, but not quite as good. And then Life is Strange, well, this is the third one, basically, is just, I don't know, the writing went out the window, and there was just, there wasn't, you know when you're playing a game or you're watching something and you you think, okay, I'm, I'm watching or playing this for this reason, and you saw, or, or these reasons, if there's more than one. And I kept playing the game, and I thought, like, okay, I like the Life is Strange games. But why am I playing this? Like, Alex is kind of cool, her brother is whatever, but the writing was so sort of just... Eh. Um, and it just didn't give me a reason to, to continue going. So, um, you didn't play the, the... Did you play the Life is Strange games? I think you tried the first one, didn't you? I tried the first one. I could never get my head around the time-warping powers. Because, it, it, obviously, you know, when you do it, it has an effect. There's a change. But it never really seemed to be obvious where you should be doing that and it seemed like you could just do it at random spots which on one hand is kind of cool that it doesn't pigeonhole you into a specific thing but then it kind of loses direction on it mm. yeah but uh yeah there was just no real story drive sort of thing um in in the third game so i just i just put it down in the end so because i don't have some sort of like undying loyalty to life is strange or something to where i have to finish the game so unfortunately that one didn't work for me um then today I got sent, uh, what's the new Zelda game? Um, not Twilight Princess. What's the one that they just remade? Um, uh, Skyward Sword? That one, yeah. I uh, got sent that for the Switch and the Mario Golf something or other game, the, the newest golf game. Is it Golf Club or something? Can't remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, got sent that for the yeah. Switch, so I got those on the way. Mario uh, Golf something, I know what you're talking about. But... Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, I've gone back to Psychonauts 1. I've got that on the Xbox, backwards compatible. Um, the, X, the original Xbox intro is quite interesting, actually. Um, the way it kind of boots up is kind of cool. Uh, I really got into it. I played about uh, two to three hours today, which is weird because my game save file says like just over two hours. But that's supposed to be included what I played before, which was at least about another two hours. So my estimate is about four or five hours but the game thinks i've played two i don't know sometimes the time can be off for, for that sort of thing i don't know where where it counts with like cutscenes and that sort of thing so uh, it's really good i'm really enjoying it um it's basically just kind of like lit these little kids that are x-men sort of thing and they've gone to this camp where this crazy sort of general person like ex war veteran general person or whatever is running this camp 
I uh, got into this other plot. I don't want to like get into spoilers for the game or anything, but to do with brains, and it was like really crazy. It sort of oddly makes sense actually. It's it's funny how much psychonauts can kind of get into the wackier stories, but they still sort of make sense because of the world and because like some of the characters are a bit strange and that. So when some of these stranger storylines happen. It fits into it pretty well. Uh, great writing as, as usual. I think the dialogue's really interesting. Uh, I've learnt a couple of new powers. One is the levitation thing. And one is to set things on fire. It's called like pyro something or whatever. Uh, and then I've got the, the psi blast. Which is basically just a normal blast type of thing. Which is cool. So uh, the levitation thing's kind of a bit of a game changer. Not only does it make you move a lot faster. Because you can sort of run on a ball if that makes sense. And then you can sort of make that ball jump up in the air so that you can jump further across certain surfaces. And then you can press this button once you've jumped to like use it to glide or or whatever. It's it, it's pretty good. So I I really like what I've uh, played with that so far. There is a bit of a sort of within the game a. I mean the game tells you what you need to do, but at some points it's like okay, where do I go for certain things? Um, but I've I've yet to look up a guide for anything. Uh, even with so many different bosses, I'm like, okay, I have a general idea of how I could fight this thing. But um, I don't know. I guess that goes along with the amount of variety that's in this game, which is which is quite a lot. I don't feel like I've done the same thing too many times. Uh, pretty much all the bosses have been very different, very weird, very wacky kind of thing. Uh, so I've I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, I can't remember if you played Psychonauts. I know David has. Have you? Yeah, I played Psychonauts, and I got started on Psychonauts 2. I just cool. haven't had a chance to really play it. Okay. Would you know what storyline I'm talking about if I said the brains thing? Yeah. On? Yeah? Uh, yeah, I got. I basically got to, to that part. How how far would you say that's into the game? Because I would say about four or five hours, roughly. Yeah, it's fairly... After you get through the uh, intro tutorial, it's fairly quick after that. Mm. Yeah. How long would you say I've left of the game, roughly? Honestly, I don't know because I'm not a hundred percent or collectible stuff, so okay. those kinds of things can really affect the the playtime. Mm. What about if you just like didn't do that stuff? How how long would you say is left? Honestly, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Okay, okay. Um, how far did you get into Psychonauts two? I got past the initial trailer, and then after you get off the plane, um, to the Psychonauts headquarters, right after that. Okay. Cool. Uh, that's pretty much what I've been playing. Um, I've tried to cut down a little bit on time with COD because the more time I spend on COD, the less story games I can finish. It's just how that kind of works. Uh, still have a really, relatively good time on that though. So that's pretty much everything I've been playing. I'll let everybody know my thoughts on the two Switch games once I, once I get them. And then I'll jump into Psychonauts 2 at, uh, at some point. Well, obviously once I finish the first game. So let's jump into a bit of housekeeping and then we'll jump into some news. Uh, so we'll do that in a minute. Hi there and thanks very much for listening. Today I'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links. The first of which is our Amazon affiliate link. That's where you can shop on Amazon. We can get a small cut of what you spend. But it won't cost you anything extra. So whether you're get, getting a gift for somebody else. Or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion. We can get a small cut of what you spend. But it won't cost you extra. You can find the link to our Amazon affiliate link in your show notes. The second affiliate link for today 
is our Kualu affiliate link. If you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice, you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes. They also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well. So if you need help with getting set up, Kualu will be able to help you with that as well. The links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link. If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film And we will review that for you on that month. And then when it gets to the next month, you can request a new TV show or a film review of your choice. That's $3 level tier. That does also, of course, include your ad-free podcasts for the month as well. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Alright, so recently on Entertainment Talk, I did a podcast today. uh, It's analysing television episode 13, taking a look at TV adverts and actually watching them on the podcast and... uh, Talking about which ones are good, which ones are bad, looking at two specific examples as well, and just a general look at sort of a mix of uh, TV adverts. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them distract from the actual advert of the product that they're trying to advertise. Some of them trying to be too funny, some of them trying to be too cute, some of them just completely miss the mark. Um, so how, how do you find like TV adverts in general? Because I know it's sort of different for you over in the, in the US because you probably get different things advertised. It's really, really weird with some of the TV adverts because some of them you just you're literally 30 seconds into it. And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what this is advertising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we find over here sometimes as well. So uh, if you want to do that, um, then you can you can listen to that podcast as well uh, over on the over on the United Cast. Uh, May United beat West Ham by two goals to one. Very very dramatic game. Our goalkeeper saved a penalty in the last minute of the game. Uh, good old David De Gea and uh, some very good goals from Ronaldo because of course Ronaldo scores. That's just what he does. And a great goal from Jesse Lingard as well. Uh, Varane was back on that episode of the United Cast. He won't be on tomorrow's episode though. He's we've already discussed that he's going to see his family uh, but tomorrow's game is again against West Ham but in a different competition and then we play Aston Villa on Saturday which I hope he'll be back for so you can check out that for the United cast uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist uh, Zoe's podcast playlist for the Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist TV show up to season 2 episode 10 is what I'm at uh, the next one will be for the season finale which will be season 2 episode 13 absolutely just incredible tv show i talked about it this week a bit on geek town as well uh, which is also out this week as well this week's geek town radio uh which comes out on tuesday so you can check that one out but just really just quite incredible tv show if you want to watch it it's on nbc in the us i don't know if it would be on peacock or what, what it would be on but uh for that and then it's going to be starting actually in the uk on e4 this upcoming monday so that's next week monday the 26th 7th, 8th, 28th? What's what's the date next Monday? 28th? 
I think. 28. Uh, 27. Yeah. 27, that one. So look out for that as well. Uh, got another podcast for uh, for uh, Superman and Lois, so we're still continuing with that. Uh, Ted Lasso, um, I'm still continuing with that as well. That's up to season two, episode nine. Uh, that's got a few episodes left for the season, and it won a bunch of Emmys this week as well. So I'll be talking about that on this Friday's podcast as well. Uh, did another list podcast. This is talking about the top five, in my opinion, top five best zombie TV shows. So some of the Walking Dead shows, things like iZombie, and some other shows as well. You you can find out which five I chose by listening to the podcast. So you can check that out. Uh, speaking of zombie things, I did a review for the prequel live-action film sort of special episode film type of thing called uh, Kingdom Ashen of the North, taking a look at the main character, pretty much the main character, uh, Ashen herself, her backstory, and all of that sort of thing. That's in the same place, Netflix, same place as the other two seasons as well. So you can check that out. I gave that a must-see rating. That's for Kingdom, Ashen of the North. You can check that out on Netflix. Walking Dead's up to Season 11, Episode 4. We'll be talking about Episode 5 tomorrow, which is this week's episode. So take a look out for that. Man United lost to a team called Young Boys uh, in the Champions League. And no, they're not actually Young Boys. It's just the name of their team. They're a Swedish team. We lost to them in the Champions League. Uh, we're still in the Champions League. There's still a bunch of group games left to be played, so there's that as well. We also beat Newcastle by four goals to one. Cristiano Ronaldo with two goals on his home return to Old Trafford and Manchester United. So you can take a look at that. That's everything we've been doing on entertainmenttalk.org. You can also find us as well on your favourite podcast platforms. And last thing to note, if you want video notifications for our podcast, you can subscribe to Entertainment Talk Plays on YouTube, that's where you get the obviously the Let's Plays for the Twitch streams, and that's where you get short uh, notification videos for the podcast. So check out all of that. Uh, let's move into some news. Um, I've been going first quite often, mainly because I I talk about the thing that I put in the title, pretty much. So things like the PlayStation Showcase. Uh, I'll let you go first this week. Uh, What do you want to talk about? Uh, Well, first up, we got some PS5 news. Uh, The PlayStation announced that they are unlocking on the software level the lock that they had for adding the extra M.2 SSD to your console. Actually, bringing it back to your commercials, there was a commercial that reminded me <laughs> that I got reminded of when I was reading this article um, from a car rental company, and their their tagline was uh, "Not exactly," being that you don't exactly get what you're saying. Um, it is getting an unlocked, but not every SSD is compatible, and they don't have a list. And also, sorry about that, my phone rang. And also, um, you do have to take apart your PlayStation 5 to add the SSD. And the article says that it should, emphasis on should, should not void the warranty. But I got a feeling that's going to be another not exactly as well, because all they have to do is say, oh, you didn't do it right. You didn't follow our instructions that we did give it to. So your machine is not under warranty. Have fun buying a new one. Yeah, um, yeah. I did see some videos popping up on YouTube about uh, you got to buy a specific thing and you got to unscrew it and all this sort of nonsense. 
Um, mm. Yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's it, it's a bit um, awkward. I think is a, is a word to use with the with the like weird warranty thing that's going on. The fact that you can't put any hard drive in there has has to be a very specific one, doesn't it? Is it called MD something or other? M dot two NVMe SSD. Um, and they did not provide a list. The article that I'm reading is from the 15th, and there's, as of yet, there is no update on the article, so they have not announced which SSDs are compatible. So you could buy an SSD on Amazon or your local electronics retailer, carefully disassemble your PS5 to the point where you can add it in, get everything back together, get everything powered up, and nada, nothing. Hmm. Not a thing. Yeah. Um, if we were to give advice, I would just say don't do it at the moment until either they post a list of hard drives that are compatible or until they figure out how to do external hard drives, which is what I use for my uh, PS4. I just plugged it in, formatted it, and uh, it was pretty much good to go. So that's I, what I, I use I, for my Xbox. Yeah, I think that's just the easier way to, to do it. Um, I mean, there's other ways that you... Sony could have done it is if like let's say you take one like because they got them side plate things like if you if it was as simple as like you take off one of them and there's another slot for a uh, hard drive thing and you can just slot it in but I started watching uh, Mystics uh, is a YouTube channel I started watching a bit of his video I didn't watch the whole thing because it wasn't really relevant to me I just wanted to see part of it and as soon as he started unscrewing things, I was like, okay, it doesn't need to be that awkward. Um, if if it was, like, something a bit simpler, I'd maybe recommend that people do it. But, um, yeah, I just think the, the easier, the longer-term solution needs to be, hey, here's an external hard drive, just plug it in, it will PS5 will register it, and then format it and go from there, which is what me and you, I think, have both got. So... It's the Sony being kind of awkward again. I mean, at least I, I know that with that slot in the Xbox Series X, I know it has to be a certain um, memory thing, but at least you can look up what to get and you can like put it in your Xbox and stuff. And that seems a lot because that's an actual slot that's dedicated for it. That's I don't think you need to open up the Xbox too much to no, do that. No, it's on the back. If on you remember back, yeah. pre-launch, we were speculating what it was, and I thought it might have been like some kind of port hookup for. Um, uh, the glass thing, the the their VR helmet that's not VR, yeah, that's yeah. AR. AR thing, yeah. Um, but the, a solution like that is what I'm talking about. Um, you've even got things in like the uh, from Nintendo of all people on the um, oh, excuse me on the Switch where you open the the stand thing, which you can do normally anyway. You just flip the thing up, and there's a little micro SD slot there. Um, I don't know if that needs specific. Um, SDs. Uh, I don't think it's the same thing with like the Vita, where it had to be a Vita-specific SD card. But um, you can just like slot that in there because I've I've found the slot myself. I just don't need to use it particularly. Um, a, a thing like that to where okay, this slot it might be you might need to open something a little bit, or you can in the Xbox's case like slide the card straight in, and then put a little card in whether it's a SD card or a specific one for a, for a console. But this whole thing of like, hey, you can open up your console and unscrew it and it might do your warranty in or it might not. It's it's, it's a bit, uh, yeah, not great. So anyway, um, any other thoughts on that? Um, I Well, I do understand 
getting the speed out of an M.2 drive, if you're going to design that as a functionality, have it a lot more easily accessible. I mean, like, way, way more easily accessible. Yeah, yeah. So, but even even Nintendo, who made one of the worst controllers I've ever used with the Joy-Cons, even they had a decent solution to it, which was, hey, flip the Switch over on the back, and then flip up the, uh, you know, the stand, and just slide an SD card in there. So, it's it's a pretty simple way to do it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's face it, out out of the Switch, Xbox Series X. And the PS5. The PS5 is big enough to where it should have a slot for something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's big enough to, you know, look at you look at the size of like an SD card or even the the one that you use for the mic for the Xbox. There should be a little slot on that giant thing where you can just like put a card in or I I don't know something like that. So yeah, um, I don't remember specifically the layout of a. Uh, Vita, but even that had something quite simple. It was just with with the Vita, it was the case that you had to buy something Sony specific, and it was a bit more expensive. But if money wasn't an issue, then none of the rest of that was an issue really. So, um, did you ever have a Vita or anything? Did, no, I un- until I got the the Switch like a year and a half ago. I haven't ha- been in the handheld thing since uh, the Game Boy Advance, and that's how long ago that was. Hmm. Yeah. So, all right. What else do you want to talk about today? Well, speaking on Nintendo controllers, uh, there was a uh, new controller that's apparently under development from Nintendo. Uh, the new controller was revealed in an FCC filing, which was originally spotted by VGC.com from Nintendo, which is simply titled Game Controller. Um, there is an expected announcement sometime within the next week, according to an, a separate FT, FCC filing that appears to have been removed after VGC.com spotted it. The only bits of information that can currently be found in the filing is that the controller will be wireless, connecting to the Switch via Bluetooth, which the current controllers do already. Everything else about the the controller, including schematics, user manuals, and block diagrams, have been made confidential at the request of Nintendo. In a letter to the FCC filing, request confidentiality on these parts of controllers, a representative for the company wrote, the application contains technical information which we deem to be trade secrets and proprietary. If made public, the information might be used to the disadvantage of the applicant in the marketplace. Um, It's important to note that this new peripheral likely won't be a replacement, sadly, for the Joy-Cons, but rather a new and updated wireless alternative to those controllers. Um, this is the control, the console itself has, and I'm, I can't really believe how much time has fly. It has been out for nearly four years. Yeah. And of course you've had issues with it for the Joy-Con drift. I've had issues with it because it's so tiny. I'm afraid I'm going to squeeze too hard if I sneeze and smash it into <laughs> pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but what do you think? Um, it's funny that if Nintendo wants to make a new design controller, because I've seen a lot of videos and a lot of like posts and stuff where essentially, because I, I mean, if if you want a like wireless controller that isn't specific to like a different Joy-Con, then that's what the Pro Controller is for. But obviously, the Pro Controller is quite expensive and still is. Um, the fi- the funny thing is with because my main controller issue with Nintendo is your Joy Cons suck because they're badly designed and they're too small and like you said I feel like I'm gonna break the things. 
um you know if i'm trying like if i'm doing some really intense gameplay and something i feel like yeah maybe i'll i feel like i'll break them or something but the thing is is some a lot of people have already found um either like third party or whatever different sort of controllers that are basically better designed joy cons so if you take the fact that there's better designed joy cons out there that you can buy which i i would have done by now but i like i said i use my uh, PS4 adapter thing where I basically plug in this little USB stick to my switch and then it connects to my PS4 controller by v- Bluetooth um, so I basically just use that <clears throat> um, but it's the case where like if people are, some people have already gone out and designed better Joy-Cons and you can either use those or you can um, do what I've done which is get a really cheap like adapter and use a controller that you're already using or buy a um, pro controller the thing Nintendo needs to be doing is just redesigning the joy cons because as far as I've heard in terms of the actual pro controller you know the official uh, controller and stuff which I haven't used myself but I've heard a lot of people say that they're quite good actually um, so and uh, I, I've heard a lot of people um, using the switch like when when they use it on the go and stuff in terms of they buy like a slightly better stand thing i've never really had an issue with the stand but they they buy a better stand they prop it up somewhere and then they use their uh uh pro controller wirelessly so you've sort of still got it on the go you just have to find somewhere to lean the switch which isn't really ideal for for me personally but somebody people have found like workarounds for that so if it's a, if it's a case where they're going to essentially take the pro controller and redesign it that's not really what we've been asking for and i mean there's even been like lawsuits and things for the controller drift for the joy con so that to me is what they need to be addressing more but you know so i i mean i mean we're talking about a company that put a collection of three mario games on their store and then deleted them off the store after six months for no reason like their their own mario collection of games <laughs> uh so yeah nintendo can be a, a funny one at times and and they're obviously the company as well that like they're a bit funny with youtube content and gamers that uh do let's plays and stuff they're a bit weird about that so um asking nintendo to do something right isn't always uh gonna work out the way that you want so uh what do you think anyway yeah that's just kind of weird that they wouldn't get around to releasing a better version of the actual joy cons and instead make like a Pro 2 controller or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, uh, again, Nintendo or Nintendo. So, yeah. Uh, what do you do? What do you do? So, um, all right, what else do you want to talk about? Well, speaking of Nintendo, Nintendo did another Nintendo thing. The recent 4.0.0 update to the Switch added a bizarre functionality of being able to use Bluetooth headphones with the Nintendo Switch. But bringing it back around to our first article, not exactly. Some brands do work for some games as long as you have a USB dongle. So you cannot pair a USB uh, a Bluetooth headset directly to the Switch. You just if it's docked, then you have to use a, uh, the dongle. If you're using it undocked, then you have to find a USB-C to USB adapter and connect it in that way. And this is a dongle connection, not a, a true Bluetooth connection. So in your case, you would either be forced to use the PS4 controller on your Switch or use the Joy-Cons to have wireless headphones. 
And even then, that's not 100% because reports have been coming in saying that they're slow and that they're laggy. And this was an unannounced feature, so Nintendo could very easily remove it in future updates. Hmm. Yeah, it, it reminds me of um, when Nintendo did that uh, voice chat app. Mm-hmm. And you like you had to have your phone unlocked and stuff, and you had to like I can't I can't remember I can't even remember what it, it was. It was a convolution sort of, of wires. That yeah, was some stupid. sort of weird wire thing. And I remember a bunch of people were just like, "Do you want to just use Discord?" Because <laughs> it was yeah. easier, easier option. Um, whereas with like, I mean, for me when I'm chatting to people online uh, on my games, it's usually only on COD anyway. And we usually just do that in game chat so that we can hear the other team and we can, you know, tell them when we've killed them and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but I mean, like, PlayStation hasn't perfected party chat and stuff either. Like, the the actual party chat thing on PlayStation is ridiculously slow. I don't know if it's better on PS5. I'm going to assume that it is. Um, but yeah, it's so this is basically done through a dongle then instead of, like, just a straight-up pairing it on... Uh, thing like that so because my, my experience at the moment with bluetooth um the things like obviously i use the ps4 controller and stuff i've got these little wireless earbud things or earphones for my actual phone now i have it set up to where my bluetooth's always on on my phone it never seems it, it never really drains like too much battery or whatever i haven't really noticed that if i take the headphones or the earphones sorry out and put them straight in my ear i hear this woman or whatever and it says like pairing your device is connected and then it has like these little touch things on the side you can like pause and play stuff basically you just touch the little thing on your ear um and then if you press and hold it and then it will say power off after a bit and then you i just put it straight back in the case where it charges uh but because of the way i've paired it with my phone as soon as i take them out the case the earphones turn on and then they recognize the, the bluetooth connection and obviously they're pretty much right next to each other so um, those those are pretty good for for that though, but I don't know if that would be it would be possible to use them with the Switch. Um, I can't weirdly use them with my um, PS4. I have actually tried, and it says like they're not compatible, or I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're like too old or something, but they they work for the main purpose, which is my uh, my phone. So because this phone that I've got at the moment, whichever iPhone it is, it doesn't have a headphone jack. Um, so whatever version that is, I think it's like the five something or other. Or the 6S maybe. Um, so that's why I brought them in the first place. Because I didn't have a headphone jack. So um, what's your experience with like Bluetooth devices and stuff? Do you use anything? Yeah, I've been using a pair for quite a while. Um, back from 2016 to 2019, I was working this one job to where you couldn't have headphones that covered your ear. Because they were an OSHA violation. So I found some okay. around-the-ear headphones, um, and I've been using them ever since, and I use them very ex- extensively. I mean, on work days, I've had them on and running for basically eight hours straight. Mm. Um, I've never really noticed too much of a battery drain on my phone. Uh, obviously, with the devices, I'd have to charge them up at the end of the night, but pretty much anything you use for eight straight hours, you're going to have to charge up until the end, you know, overnight mm, yeah um yeah these headphones tend to last i'd say two to three hours but i never really actually use them for that long either and ever whenever i'm at home which is a little bit more often at the moment um 
if I'm not using, I'd put I'd put them in the charger anyway. So they're always either charging or being used. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I've just looked up. It says this is an iPhone SE. So, just in case anybody was was wondering, uh, it's the one that doesn't have a headphone jack, which annoyed me initially. But I I've oddly found it more convenient to use these earphones than I have usually the uh, the wired earphones. Like you got to untangle them and then put them in the jack and then make sure that's all good with those I li- I literally just take them straight out of the case and put them in my ear and then press play on whenever I'm listening to so it's uh, they're pretty good yeah wired or wireless I can't use in ear headphones my ears are just a weird shape to where I get oh. maybe 5 minutes of use and then it physically hurts okay um yeah these are in ear earphones so they're pretty good um but with my if I'm l- watching so- or listening to something on the console like on the Xbox or the PlayStation, I use my big headphones, which are really good actually. So it's it's a win-win either way for me. Um, but anyway, back to the Nintendo stuff. It's just yeah, it's Nintendo being Nintendo, being a bit uh, a bit backwards. So um, did you say that takes the the USB-C slot? Is that what you said? If you want to use it undocked, um, it has to have a USB dongle. So undock the only usb connection is usb c yeah. so you have to use a usb c to usb adapter oh and then plug oh yeah that is awkward yeah, yeah. and then have like the, your uvula dangling down <laughs> yeah that's uh that's not great um so i'm assuming yeah with docked it's just normal usb and then you plug that into the dock mm-hmm. and where where you would plug the dongle in for your ps4 controller yeah yeah could I have them both plugged in then? I probably could. No, there's only cause... one USB port. No, there's there's two on the on the dock. I'm pretty sure. There's one in the back. I don't know if there's any more on the side. Yeah, there's there's two on the side, which okay, I okay. Well, then I, I, I well, the thing is, is that that device, the fact that we're into software version 4.0, and it doesn't natively support a Bluetooth connection for the headphones, I wouldn't take bets on whether having multiple USB devices would actually work or not true yeah so all right what else do you want to talk about uh well halo infinite multiplayer is getting a, another big uh um technical preview uh they've had a couple earlier but since they've lim- they've been seriously limited to uh the number of players there's been a lot of bots so it hasn't really given you a good sense of what the new multiplayer maps are going to do but they're doing two weekends and it's open to all registered insiders as of September 13th. Um, the dates are going to be uh, uh, Thursday 23rd uh, is when you can start downloading. And they're going to start opening up matches on Friday for limited hours, which is 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Not exactly ideal hours for everybody in the U.S., but anybody in the U.K., that's going to be a good one. And then they're going to do another block of time, but they didn't announce that yet, just to say to check the Insider's blog post for the future one. Um, but they are opening up to far more people, so anybody that is a fan of Halo multiplayer is going to get a better sense of the game itself for its upcoming uh, Christmas release. I would have to assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't they haven't given a release date for the game yet, have they? I don't think. I think uh, they have. I can you one second here. I think it's just holiday twenty twenty one. So, um, yeah, there's not much that Halo Infinite could do to pull me in terms of multiplayer. To be honest, uh, I did enjoy Halo Three multiplayer when I was at school. 
Uh, I played some of Halo 4's multiplayer, uh, but not too much of it, and I barely touched Halo 5's multiplayer. Uh, I tried about three quarters of the story, and uh, or just over half of the story, and uh, didn't yep. continue. So, what did you uh, According to uh, HaloWaypoint.com, the launch is December 8th. Okay, okay. Um... But yeah, I don't know what Halo Infinite could do to pull me away from COD. I mean, as I've said numerous times, when it comes to online shooters and stuff, at least like for, for now, because obviously I used to be into uh, Halo when I was at school and stuff, I just at the moment prefer the grounded modern day warfare, and that's mm-hmm. not what Halo is. It's, you know, futuristic sci-fi shooter stuff. Uh, I'm sure the game will be great of what I've seen from it. it look, it's looked pretty good. It's just not really going to pull me in for uh for all that so um although a lot of my uh call duty friends have been talking about battlefield 2042 i think it's called uh so i may jump into that at some point but um but yeah that's that's pretty much where i'm at for it i i don't know if i'll try the beta because even if it's the case where i'm impressed with the game which as i've said you know it, it looks pretty good i just prefer cod modern warfare it's just mm-hmm. a simple case of preference so how about you? Interested in multiplayer or the story or where you're at with Halo Infinite? Uh, I've always been more a story person than a multiplayer person because as I've said repeatedly on the podcast, I suck at shooters and I'm not much better at online competitive shooting. Um, I do have Ultimate until August 2023, so I'm sure at some point I'll check it out and see if the story sucks me in or not. So, Okay, okay. Did you play 5? I played a little bit of five, but I didn't enjoy it. Uh, not not many people did. So, yeah. But uh, anyone that wants to play it and let us know if you like it or anything else like that, you can do so. Um. So yeah. What else do you want to talk about today? Uh. Well, the last thing I have to talk about. It's a bit of a sad note, but uh, can't be helped. Uh, Sir Clive Sinclair, who was the inventor of the world's first slimline pocket calculator and the founder of the groundbreaking consumer electronic company Sinclair Research has sadly passed away. Um, Sinclair Research was founded in 1973, but became very well known in the UK in the 1980s with the release of the ZX80 home computer, which was available as a ready-to-use kit, or for a slightly lower price, a build-it-yourself kit. And you got to remember, this was the 80s, so that wasn't really a thing, so the concept that we have now of buying parts and building a computer that was pretty far out there back then. Mm -hmm. It was a very popular machine back in the eighties due to both its capacities and its price. Um, in the UK, the pre-assembled price was a mere 100 pounds. Um, even bigger success followed later with the ZX 81 and then the ZX spectrum in 82, which became the best selling personal computer in the UK at times. Um, that also spawned various official and unofficial clones over the years, um, and I said Sir Clive Sinclair because he was granted knighthood in 1983 for his contributions to British industry. Um, some of the other company's other ideas didn't fare so well. There was the uh, CS5 electric trike and the TV80 pocket television. They didn't really catch on, but their basic concepts of powered motorcycles and portable screen entertainment obviously is a big thing now. Um, the idea, it was the ideas, the challenge, and the that he found exciting, uh, said his daughter Belinda to the Guardian. He'd come up with an idea and say, "There's no point in asking if someone wants it because they can't imagine it yet." Uh, weirdly enough, Sinclair didn't make use of the technology he helped create. 
According to his daughter, he said he carried a slide rule with him and would use that rather than a calculator. Hmm. Okay. Um, um, yeah, go oh. ahead. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not familiar with the person particularly. Uh, of course, it's sad when somebody does pass away, but uh sounds like they left a, a bit of a legacy behind, which is which is good. Um, that's pretty much all I can really say about it. I'm not really familiar with the person or the situation. But yeah, as you said, it's more of like a pretty normal thing now when we talk about like computer parts and and things like that. It's very normal now to like, hey, I'll build my own PC as opposed to back in the day where you, you wouldn't really do that quite so much. Um, so Yeah, yeah it's it, not it like it was, how, you know, short times life. Have, it shows how times have changed a little bit, so... Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. And I said it's not like he lived a short life. He was eighty-one at the time, so you know, not a nice long-lived life. So, yeah, that's that's not a bad age, I suppose. Um, so yeah, there we go. What what did you want to say? Oh, I I was just gonna say that you know sometimes inventors don't get as much recognition as they should because when we think of founders of computers, we think you know Bill Gates and. Uh, My brain doesn't want to work. Uh, other other people, yeah. Bill Gates, Michael Dell, um, people that were like pioneers of the industry and all have products that we use to this day. And then there's some people that you know did a whole bunch of cool stuff that we probably don't think about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but rest in peace, and uh, we shall see how that goes on going forward. So, uh, what else did you want to talk about? Today? That's the last one that I had. Cool. Uh, well, I had two pieces of news to talk about. One of which I did sort of touch upon in the last podcast. And that's this Crash Bandicoot mystery. Now, um, my plan for this piece of news was to go through the tweet. I'm still going to go through some tweets. That's still going to happen. Um, but the Crash Bandicoot account continues to post the most random, just not really nonsense some like stats and facts and things like that they did this twitter thread the other day where it was like breaking down crash bandicoot's history like the the games from i think they went right from 1996 to 2020 oh sorry 2021 whenever crash on the run came out which i think was yeah last year uh i can't find those tweets now i don't know if they deleted them um, but I went into the comments section for some of them, and everyone's like, "What the hell are you doing? Why are you not announcing a game?" And even I, I tweet, I didn't tweet anything too aggressive. I was like, "What are you doing?" Um, but uh, the newest tweet, the newest tweet they have, apart from, there's a pin tweet about like them talking about Crash's anniversary because this is what it's all supposed to be about his anniversary, which was on the same day as that PlayStation event, but nothing got announced either on that event or elsewhere uh the newest tweet that they've got is from four days ago so they've definitely deleted some tweets um not all bandicoots wear capes but you can sure come close with choose your bandicoot that's basically an advert for the fact that you can put different skins on crash then they retweeted something about crash bandicoot merchandise then six days ago they posted sometimes it's better to not look at what's behind you and there's a dinosaur chasing crash which is from one of the levels before that, so this is going back to the 10th of September. What date was that event? Was that the 8th of September? I think, the PlayStation event? Uh, uh, I, I think. Yeah, no, 9th. Yeah, because yeah, I think these, these tweets are still from after that time. 
Then they posted something said, It is a glorious beacon of hope, illuminating the shadows and casting out the darkness of our world. Behold, the final Wumpa. And it's sort of like a religious type of picture, but there's a Wumpa fruit that's been edited in. And then it says TFW, I'm not sure what that stands for. You find the very last Wumpa. So again, just weird, like what does that have to do with like anything? Um, and then it says Wumpa Day Crash 25. Um, then they posted some meme stuff. And then on the day, so yeah, the 9th, uh, says this is Herbert. He's not Crash's grandpa, but he's uh, he's just a man that wanted to celebrate Crash's 25th the only way he knows how through the power of dance because crash has got his own crash dance which has always been very cool uh through the power of dance and we didn't have the heart to say no to herbert how could you look at those moves so a bit more relevant like the crash dance is very iconic and everything but still not any kind of hint of an announcement uh then they tweeted retweeted something about uh a switch skin and case for the controller and that um, and then another one from the actual day. See, I can't go back and look at some of those other tweets because they've been deleted. But um, this is the first time Crash has found himself between dimensions, but might be the first time he's danced through them. Because uh, there's this like Crash Bandicoot mascot sort of thing that gets used when like the games have been announced, like the the remasters and the new game and stuff, and it's just him doing some sort of dance. But yeah, they were tweeting out a bunch of stuff after all these of like hey in this year we had this game come out and then in this year we had this game come out and it was like a I think it was like a 25 tweet thread um of just going through Crash's history which is which is fine to do the announce on for his anniversary and stuff like go through his history I mean that's what I did on the anniversary podcast I went through the character's game history and a lot of people were thinking like okay once they've tweeted out the 25 um not 25 days. Yeah, was it 25 days? It was something like that anyway. They were going through Crash's history. And somebody said like, okay, once you get past 2020, are you going to do like 2021 Wumpa League? Because uh, that's the game that's been speculated about. Is a game called Wumpa League, which is supposed to be like an online party game, which is essentially supposed to be the new Crash Bash in a way. So instead of doing what they have been doing, which is remastering the old games or the better old games, like the original trilogy... And Crash Team Racing, and then making Crash 4, so the logical steps. Instead of remastering Crash Bass, which wasn't very good, just put in place a new party game, which was supposed to be Wumpa League. Uh, Some people speculated that, like, okay, they could announce it at the Game Awards, because that happened before, that happened with Crash Team Racing. Nitro Fueled, the remaster of the kart racing game. That was announced at the Game Awards, but, um... Yeah, they've been kind of a little bit blunt in terms of what's happening with this game. And also just in terms of, okay, it was Crash's 25th anniversary and all you did was tweet a bunch of random stuff. Like some of it's cool, like looking back on the history of his games. But um, like there's there's nothing substantial in terms of like they, they announced a couple of bits of new merchandise, I think. Like cool um, I don't know, what do you think is kind of going on here? Do you think, uh, I don't know, what, what, what's your guess? To be honest, I really don't know, because as you know, I'm not that well versed in the franchise. I was never a Crash Bandicoot fan. Um, obviously something is going on, but I couldn't even begin to speculate what. Mm, yeah. Because um, in, in and around the time they started tweeting 
just just random just things about Crash. And some people were looking at the different photos for hints of like, oh, is that an announcement for this or that? But it hasn't led to anything yet. Part of me, because I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, I've been thinking about this a bit in terms of, okay, what what are they doing? What why are they tweeting out a bunch of random things? Um, I wonder if they have to, if there's maybe some sort of legal thing going on, because we know about all the madness with Activision Blizzard, which is odd. A little bit because most of that has been Blizzard focused and in terms of the Activision Blizzard thing Crash is an Activision character not a Blizzard one because all of the newer games that have been developed for him so the Insane Trilogy remaster uh, the Nitro Fueled game remaster of Crash Team Racing and Crash Bandicoot 4 were all from devs which at the time were working for Activision, not for Blizzard. So they were Activision teams, not Blizzard teams. I know that's changed a little bit because, um, what was it, Vicarious Visions, who also did the uh, Tony Hawk remaster for 1 and 2, they're now working on Blizzard-only games, I think. But that's that changed even after the Tony Hawk games came out. So, again, all the Crash games have been Activision-created and not necessarily Blizzard-created. Um, I know that the lawsuits do land on Activision and Blizzard, so the merged company, so it does affect Activision as well. But what I'm trying to say is if they're going to announce something new and this lawsuit is getting in the way or all the madness that's happening, I just think that that, I thought, just thought that that would affect Blizzard games more than Activision ones. Um, I don't know who's supposed to be developing Wampa League or even, or if Wampa League's even a thing. Um, the thing that's led a lot of people to believe that Wampa League is a real game is because just like the same pattern before and even with the Spyro games or the Spyro remaster which was made by uh, Toys for Bob, another Activision company, Toys for, Toys for Bob made Crash Bandicoot 4, uh, they got, it, there's these like influencers and people like that and like IGN and stuff that were getting sent packages for like different things from the game and things like that and um... I think it was the day of the PlayStation event, if not maybe the day before. Influence, influencers were getting sent these piñata wampa shaped things of like indicating about a wampa league thing. And there was even this mini little hammer that came with the package that had a wampa league logo on it or a wampa sort of logo on it. So that sort of tried to point towards the fact that there could have been an announcement. Because, uh, like, with the Spyro games, people getting getting sent, like, purple eggs. Because that's, you know, eggs are, or the, uh, like, the for the dragon eggs and stuff, which were a big part of the Spyro games. So it all seemed to be leading up to that. But after this event's happened, and they're just tweeting out a bunch of random stuff, nothing else has really happened. So it's just weird. Um, do you think that the Activision Blizzard madness has got something to do with it? Do you think that's gotten in the way in some way, shape, or form? Uh, maybe a mix of both. What, what do you mean a mix of both? Maybe they're trying to get out of it, get get away from the uh, um, the Activision Blizzard, and thus all the random tweeting. But there might be something that for a shoe that hasn't dropped yet that might bring them back into it. Hmm. Yeah. So um, that's that's my only kind of answer is all this Activision Blizzard stuff has has gotten in the way of it. But then. <sighs> Even the Activision Blizzard thing, which has been going on, what, like a month or something now? A, a long time? Cause we did Feels th- like forever. Yeah, we, we did three episodes on the, the different uh, sections of it. 
Um, the influencer items, which they might not seem like a big deal, but it was the same pattern as before. They got sent out way after the uh, lawsuit stuff started happening. Unless that was already planned and it was just too late. I, I don't know. Maybe those things kind of lit link up. I, I don't know. So, But I've been following a Canadian guy, A, on uh, Twitter. He's a big fan. And there's some other Crash accounts that I follow as well who are like big fans of the series so i've just been trying to follow in with uh, what they've been saying so we shall see i don't think crash bandicoot's in trouble obviously activision blizzard's in a little bit of trouble but that doesn't mean that the ip itself is it just means that obviously some of the ceo roles and executive roles need to be uh swapped out should we say um but that that shouldn't necessarily hurt any games that are in development so I don't know. We shall see. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting Call of Duty Vanguard this year. So, and it's, it's funny with that as well with the with the uh, Call of Duty Vanguard thing because as far as we understand, all of Activision's and Blizzard's, no, all of Activision's devs are working on the franchise. Not necessarily Vanguard, but all, all nine of Activision's dev teams are on Vanguard, but that game is still fine, it's still coming out, not been delayed or anything, so, I don't know, I don't know, we shall see. Uh, let's move on from that, anyway, talk about uh, Star Wars, we all like Star Wars, at least some people still do. Uh, Quantic Dream, who's uh, responsible for Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and uh, Detroit Become Human, uh, are reportedly, I don't like using that word, there are reports um, that they could be making a Star Wars game. There was some tidbits that were posted that it could be a bit of like an action game type of thing with a little bit of open world elements. Now initially when I read this a couple of days ago and I thought okay I'll put this into the show to talk about. Uh, Quantic Dreams games so Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, Detroit Become Human have very much been almost Life is Strange Until Dawn type games where they're very choice driven. Um, you don't really do many actions per se like you don't walk around and do that much most of it is like cutscenes with dialogue choices that's how majority of those games work so initially when we when i read about a star wars game i thought oh it's going to be like a uh choice driven dialogue driven star wars game with some action bits and pieces here maybe some quick time events don't know maybe some of that stuff but hearing that it might be a little bit more open world is just a bit different than what we're used to from Quantic Dream. Uh, I still think it'd be cool if they made one. I think that would be a good IP for them to tackle. I think Star Wars in general is one of their IPs that anyone can really take a look at. Because Star Wars is... is you know, Star Wars isn't just Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, all these characters. Star Wars is a galaxy full of characters. You can do anything you want with Star Wars. I mean, we're going to see that, I think, this week with Star Wars Visions. Uh, just different people just doing different stories and different things within the world of Star Wars. Which makes me laugh when people say like Star Wars is dead when it's not. Just because they didn't like the, the sequel films or whatever. There's loads of different things you can do. I mean like look at The Mandalorian. That was a, a fresh kind of thing for Star Wars and everything like that. Um, I would be very interested to see what Quantic Dream could do with Star Wars. Mainly because I'd be interested to see what anybody would do with Star Wars. Because we got what a Ubisoft game coming out. We've got probably another game from EA. Uh, probably another Fallen Order 2 at some point. Um, probably another multiplayer game I would guess. And there's some other ones in development as well I think. Um, what do you think? Quantic Dream, Star Wars? What, what's your kind of history with Quantic Dream? Have you played the other three games? Uh, 
bits of them. I played a bit of Detroit Become Human. Um, I played a bit of uh, the other one that I'm brain farting on right now, but not really super in deep to it. Uh, it could be interesting uh, on a narrative storyline. Uh, maybe take a character from Bad Batch or Clone Wars or something mm. like that. Yeah. You know, do a storyline from that. I'm not familiar with either of those at all outside of their existence, but I know they're super, super popular. So that's something that could garner some interest in the genre. Um, you know, as long as we don't have another Battlefield 2, I'm happy. Mm, yeah. Um, I just think that Star Wars is an IP that's so flexible you can tell whatever story you want, want really, whether it's something more political, something more action-driven, something more dialogue-driven. Uh, you can do pod racing games. You can do bounty hunter games. You can do lots of different things. So There was a pod racing game back in the day. I think there was, when, yeah. Uh, yeah. When the when the first of the prequels came out, there was a pod racing game. Okay, okay. What would you personally want from a Star Wars game? Um... I liked the um, Fallen Order okay. It wasn't like super great, but I, I like the idea of something like that. Um, maybe a bit more open-worldy, a bit less having to go to the same four planets 27 times to go to the different areas. Um, that wouldn't be too terrible. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've got on my boomerang list Darth Vader Immortal. Um, VR games with you wielding lightsabers could be very cool. Um, I did watch some gameplay for it, actually, and it did look pretty good. Plus, you know, Darth Vader in VR is going to be quite intimidating, I think. So, uh, Especially with the... Um, what's this song called? Is it the the Imperial March, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that should be pretty fun. Um, but, yeah, v- VR games could work pretty well. Storage... You can do lots of different things with Star Wars. Even, like, a new Bounty Hunter Mandalorian-type game could be pretty good so um if there'd be some w- would you want something jedi specific something bounty hunter specific uh pod racing game what sort of thing would you want i suppose uh bounty hunting might be kind of interesting maybe something like a mandalorian game mm. that would probably be uh, if nothing else that would sell really well yeah yeah definitely De- especially if you put baby yoda front and center of it so, yeah, I don't care what his name is. It's always going to be Baby Yoda. Yeah, what's it called? Gro- Grogu or something? Grogu or something like that. Yeah, but everyone's just going to call him Baby Yoda. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd I'd like a bounty hunter game. Uh, that's what I think Star Wars thirteen thirteen was supposed to be, wasn't it? Before mm-hmm. uh, you know, it got a quite uh, Disney brought Lucas and ended that Canned game. It. Yeah, can that game? Why? Why would? Why did they do that? They just... No idea. As far as I know, no official record has ever been given as to why they binned it. Yeah, yeah. Because didn't they do something to where they made all the comic books like not canon and things well, like that? Well, when Disney initially bought it, everything not the movie was declared non-canon, um, which is weird because some of it they are bringing back as official canon. Um, I know that uh, the Clone Wars, a good chunk of that was taken from the books. Um, a good chunk of Mandalorian with some of the characters, some of the side characters in that uh, were taken from the books. Or, hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you made a game that was similar to Fallen Order, uh, but you played as a bounty hunter, so you could use like jetpacks, you could use the pistols or the, the blasters, you could 
I don't know, fly around in that cool ship that he's got. Has that ship got a name? Probably has, hasn't it? I can't remember. I'm sure it does. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, maybe interact with some of the other um, bounty hunter characters, like uh, Boba Fett and all those. That might be quite cool. So, yeah. But uh, Quantum Dream, apparently making a Star Wars game, and we'll see if it happens at the end of the day. Razor Crest. I just did a quick Google search. The ship's called the Razor Quest. Oh, yeah. Razor Crest. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can't seem to speak today. That got damaged so much in season two. I remember like uh, the... that got exploded in season two. Did it's it? gone. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember the scene with like the spiders and stuff like that. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on from that. Let's go into some because I've only got two things to talk about this week. It's been a bit been a bit quiet since the PlayStation event. So, um, let's get in some emails, feedback, questions, comments, that sort of thing. If you would like to send in yours, uh, your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever you want to do, uh, methodentertainmenttalk.org, Twitter, eTalk UK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes. So, check out all of that. Beth writes in first, says, I saw a few people last week on Twitter doing comparisons of God of War Ragnarok with God of War 2018, saying the animation looks the same or very similar. Is this a problem? Did you notice? thoughts uh i didn't notice straight away because i couldn't remember the exact animation looks of the 2018 god of war if that's the case i i mean i don't want to call it lazy because i know that that team has probably worked very hard on that game um i i do have the kind of how do i phrase this correctly the graphics concern with god of war of like is there a lack of innovation with the gameplay? What features can you use? Is the animations different? Or is it just, okay, new emotional story that looks pretty? Because that's not what I want that game to do. But that's what I think it's going to do. I think it's going to have some very good looking landscapes and that kind of thing. Um, and I just want God of War to be... As I've said before, there's two games I'm looking at, which is Horizon... For Horizon, Horizon, sorry, Forbidden West, and uh, God of War Ragnarok. I want those two games to innovate on what they did with the first games, or in God of War's case, the the revival game. Um, I because both of those games I could look at and think those games have got the opportunity to just have landscapes that look really good, and we'll just put a new story in and still do some innovations here and there. But I really want those games to be pushed because. We're also in the case where, like, yeah, those games are going to be on PS4, but they're also going to be on next-gen hardware as well, so I want a little bit more of a push for some of that stuff. Uh, did you notice anything? Did you did you see anything? Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, they did kind of look the same, but given that almost all of it was pre-rendered CGI and not actual in-game footage, they are going to look kind of alike, so... Hmm. Yeah. Um, what's your excitement level for, for the game? At some point, I need to get around and play God of War 2018. I own it. I started it, and it just kind of fell off the table. Hmm. Uh, I don't have too huge of a of a um, you know a lust for it, but that, as always, I'm not going to crap on anybody that does. So cool, cool. Um, I enjoyed the first game a lot, or the the new game, whatever we're calling it now. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought that the axe throwing stuff with the Leviathan axe was really good. That was some good innovation and stuff. But you got to find a way with this next game to push that somewhat further. Um, like, can you do anything with the haptic feedback or the jewel stuff with the jewel sense? You could le- you could really lean into that because it's a first party game as well. So you have a lot of opportunities there. 
um like could there be haptic feedback with the axe throwing or when you get it back or because i i think like your controller vibrated a little bit or something when you got the axe back but now that you've got like actual haptic feedback and stuff what can you do with uh with some of that because i'm also expecting because they talked about like bowstring tension like i'm expecting that to be in horizon um because she uses a bow and arrow aloy so i'm expecting the bow tension thing in there because that was one of the biggest selling points uh i don't know if you can do that with god of war the, the uh, ragnarok because i don't know if we'll have a bow and arrow but maybe you can feel some sort of axe tension or something um what do you, what do you think they could do with those two games with like haptic feedback and stuff uh, you could probably get a better sense of both strength if they have a mechanic to where you do more damage depending on like if you hold it back or if you you launch a quick one out something like that that could be a possibility mm. um, they could do it to where um, you could actually feel the weight of the different arrows because they all kind of felt the same regardless of which one you were shooting at so oh, yeah, that could yeah. be an interesting concept. Yeah, so like with like the explosive arrows and things like that. So yeah, explosive arrows have a little bit more weight. The fire arrows, maybe you get some sound out of the speaker, like the fire crackling, things like that. So mm. yeah, um, yeah, that's that's question. Uh, he said, do you think Sony or Microsoft will make any more big acquisitions? Anything on a Bethesda type level? Uh, there's always rumors that this sort of stuff. Um. I, I don't think PlayStation or sorry, Sony or Microsoft will go and buy like EA or Ubisoft or I mean Microsoft's got like a good partnership with uh, EA with the whole Game Pass stuff. That's not really the same as like making FIFA exclusive or whatever. But um, I I don't think we'll see a Bethesda level one happen for for a bit of time. Plus that was very expensive. I know Microsoft's got a lot of money, but it was still you know what was it eight billion dollars or whatever seven point something. Um, so that was a, like, sure, they could probably go and do that again, but do they really need to? Um, I don't know, I, I've, I've seen, uh, Sony make a few small acquisitions, like, Fire, I think it's called Fire Sprite, the new team that they've got. I think you might see a few of those happen, um, but no, I don't see, I don't see any, like, EA or Ubisoft or, like, somebody like that being, being purchased anytime soon. What do you think? Uh... I mean, it's always possible with Microsoft that they could get something. There's been I have we didn't bring it up because it's just rumors, but there have been rumors of Microsoft purchasing a Japanese studio. Um, out of any of them, that would make the most sense because they have been trying really, really hard to make better inroads into that market of gaming. Mm. So if they picked up like one or two smaller studios that are like almost exclusively Japan as a way to try to get sales to uh, you know, the Xbox platform in that country, which have always lagged pathetically behind Sony. Mm. Um, that would that would be a strategic move. That would be interesting. Whether or not it actually happens, we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, from, from Software's third party, aren't they? Because Sekiro mm-hmm. was like... Wasn't that published by Activision or something? Yeah. Um, that ended up on Xbox, so maybe somebody could buy those up. Uh, Blue Point's not been acquired yet, has it? Uh, we know uh, that um, the Returnal dev got purchased. Uh, House Mark got purchased by Sony, but Blue Point hasn't yet. Even though Blue Point ba- Blue Point's job has basically been making or remaking PlayStation games. So like, um, yeah. Plus, Blue to- Blue Point is based in Austin, Texas. So okay, 
It, does that mean anything specifically? Uh, just it wouldn't be a, a Japanese studio to make inroads into that marketplace. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, From Software is a big one that somebody could snatch up. Because whenever I do think of like From Software and Blue Point, I think of PlayStation. Um, I don't think of any. It's it's a bit like the way that Insomniac was looked like looked at. Sorry, before PlayStation bought them, which was like yeah, Spider Man, Ratchet and Clank. They feel like a Sony studio, and then they went and brought them. So, which they've definitely got their money out of, money's worth from so far, because they did what Spider Man Two, Ratchet and Clank, Spider Man One, Spider Man Miles Morales, now Wolverine. <laughs> so, uh, they're they're pretty busy. So, uh, Harrison writes in says, "Hey Matt, did you see someone at Naughty Dog uh, post um, posting about doing motion capture again? What do you think they are up to?" Uh, I did post that actually. I think I said something about it on Facebook. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Naughty Dog's... I mean, we... Because the guess at the moment is Last of Us 1 Remake, which I think is just a bit of a waste of time, unfortunately. Uh, and then Factions 2. I think those are the two things actually being worked on. I know they did an outline for Last of Us 3, but we don't know what they're doing with that. Uh, there's so many people in the Last of Us communities that are asking for, like, Joel and Tommy DLC, or Abby DLC, or Lev DLC... Or something else like that. I mean the the biggest one that sticks out. That most people ask for. Is the 20 year gap. I'm not going to give any story spoilers. The 20 year gap for Joel. Between one particular event and another event. Um, that that very much is a. I mean 20 years. Because he was with the. I can't remember if he was with the Fireflies. Or, or somebody else. But he that was where he met up with like Tess. And those sorts of characters. And he, him and Tommy did a bunch of stuff there's a lot of references to it in last of us one and in last of us two um that would definitely be one that would be very successful i think um but yeah i would obviously play most things last of us if they got released apart from I, i'm still torn on like if i'll actually play the last of us one remake mainly because i don't know if i'll need to um but it's weird that given that it's a remake like are you going to change story stuff because remaster is when you copy and paste the game and you change like visuals and graphics and gameplay and that sort of stuff. Whereas with a remake is where you actually go in and change things. So I don't know what they would be changing for the first game. So uh, what do you think Naughty Dog are up to with this post and stuff? Uh, I think they might be trying to get a little hype for it. Whether or not uh, we see you know a game come out of it, hard telling really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of wondering with if they're doing a remake, how much motion capture they'd need to do. Um, I don't know because I don't, I don't, I actually don't know if you need that for remastered scenes or remade scenes. Because you still got, I assume, all the captured stuff from the first game, like all the stuff with Joel and, that Joel and Ellie got up to. I'd have to assume it's whether or not you could actually upscale that uh, data or not. Okay, without doing mocap, you mean? Yeah. I don't know. So, um, I'm not sure how, I'm honestly not sure how that works with remasters and remakes. Uh, it's a bit different with something like if you're remastering Crash, like, you just, you, you don't really do motion capture for that sort of thing. So, uh, we shall see. But uh, exciting anyway. Um, and I'm obviously keeping my eye on Naughty Dog. So, we shall see. Uh, and then lastly, Amy writes in, says, long time, first time welcome 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but have we seen anything from State of Decay this year? Is Robert worried about the game? So this one's a bit more aimed at you. Um, how do you feel? State of Decay 3, what's, uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, well, we haven't gotten anything big. There have been some minor leaks in terms of uh, hiring at uh, Undead Labs. I, I'm i not worried because you know we don't have a release date out yet, and I'm not expecting one at the end of this year, considering for State of Decay 2 patch um, update 26 just came out with a few new changes. So the fact that we're 26 uh, updates into that game just leads me to believe that um, they're just taking their time with uh, State of Decay 3. And from the, the leaks that I have seen to where it's looking a lot more story heavy than the second one was, and the second one did have some interesting story elements to it, uh, I'm okay with waiting. I mean, we've had way too many broken launch games in the last couple of years to not have patience and wait for a game to be done before you get it. Mm. Yeah. I'm semi kind of excited for it. Um, I did enjoy State of, State of Decay 1 and 2. Um, I can't remember if I actually finished State of Decay 2. Uh, I think I did. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. It would have to depend which part. One of the maps or Trumbull Valley, which has two separate storylines. Yeah, I, I can't remember. So, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I do want them to change things a little bit. I didn't really like the influence system. Uh, it's too kind of like points heavy driven. Um, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's essentially tried to be like a zombie meets a Sims game where you had like your locations and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, but given that it's the zombie apocalypse, most types of currency aren't going to really apply. So the influence system is how they could balance, you know, bartering, you know, based off of what you have versus how people like you, how well people like you versus just being able to go to everything and be like, mine, mine, also mine. Yeah, that's mine too. Yeah, that's also mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I get, I, I get why it's there. I get what you mean, but I just want them to do something a little different with it. I don't know. So... But yeah, if it goes for something a little bit more story driven, that might help it a little bit. Um, so we shall see. We shall see. Uh, that's what we got for you for this week's episode of Gaming Talk. Thank you very much to those of you that have listened. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to find our other content, you can find that on entertainmenttalk.org. As for TV, video games, films, and Manchester United podcasts, uh, there's a new game tomorrow against West Ham. I've uh, got a Walking Dead podcast tomorrow. I uh, did the TV advert thing today, so you can check that out. i uh, got a Ted Lasso episode on Friday. And then there's another game on Saturday. And then whether or not I record anything else, I don't know yet. But uh, that's that's uh, the upcoming week that we've got. Um, I'm not reviewing a film this week, but next week I think uh, No Time to Die is out. Which I've heard, my, uh, my mate was talking to me about it the other day. He said it's 2 hours 45 minutes. Which is uh, absurd, but uh, we shall see. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, what films are you kind of watching next and stuff? Um, nothing's really on the list. I did get a chance to see uh, Shang Chi. Um, October third, uh, here in the U.S. I don't know about the U.K., but October third, Black Widow goes free on Disney Plus. So I'll probably watch that if nothing else, since I don't have to pay extra for it. Mm. I'm still kind of on the fence for the Eternals. I don't know that I'll need to see it. Um, I, I think you might need to. Have you seen it yet? What? The Eternal? No, the Eternals isn't out yet. Do you mean Shang-Chi? No, I... 
Shang-Chi, I liked it. Um, I'm talking about the Eternals. It's just, there, there's a lot to unpack with that franchise, considering it bears almost zero resemblance to the original storyline, which is fine, because we are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, um, I it's just, there's a couple characters, a couple actors on that film that I'm not huge fans of, so I don't know if I'm, that's going to weigh in or not. Okay. Okay, uh, but yes, you can find all the content on their entertainmenttalk.org. Uh, you can also find us if you search for us on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Entertainment Talk, and you can also subs- subscribe to Entertainment Talk Plays on YouTube for those video updates as well. So check all that out. Uh, you can also just use word of mouth and social media. Uh, let other people know about the uh, content that we've got. Um, just either tell them or share it around on Facebook and Twitter and that sort of stuff so that really helps us out as well Patreon $1, $3 level tiers ad free podcast review options check that out as well if you'd like to uh, for that uh, for TV and film news David's got you covered over on geektown.co.uk you can also check out Geektown Radio that's of course on podcast platforms as well a new episode out today uh, check that one out as well for your TV and film news. Uh, Bex is still streaming very regularly over on Twitch. Uh, Trista Bytes, Trista, B-Y-T-E-S. Go and give her a follow over there. You can also give me a follow as well over on Twitch, eTalkUK, um, for all our different video game streams. And if you want to find the streams archived later on YouTube, Entertainment Talk Plays for that. That's the same YouTube channel for those video notifications. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.